The fear of not being good enough. Chances are, if you're listening to this, you know exactly what I'm talking about already. You're probably avoiding social media for your business because you're worried about how people will judge you. But you also know you have to talk about your business if you want your business to be successful. If that's you, you're in the right place. What if you allowed yourself to give up the struggle for perfection? What if you really are good enough already? Join me as I talk to entrepreneurs who are working through their fear and imposter syndrome, getting out there and talking about their business and giving us a flossom social media presence. You can do this too. We're going to show you how. I'm your host, Anita Kirkbride. Welcome to Be Flossom, the Good Enough podcast. Today, my guest is Trudy Stone. She is a certified culinary nutritionist. TV guest, wellness expert, author, podcast host, and founder of Trudy Stone Nutrition. She educates people about nutrition solutions for managing stress and anxiety. There's a reason she is here today. From healthy habits to brain health, Trudy is passionate about empowering people to build healthier habits and unlock the power of food to build a strong and vibrant brain and body. She's also the creator of the RISE Method, a step-by-step framework to help people overcome stress, overwhelm, and fatigue. Welcome, Trudy. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Anita. So glad to be here. Well, I started out when we introduced ourselves by saying that, you know, you said, how are you? And I said, I'm stressed. So this is going to be a good topic today. How did you get into the business of helping women deal with stress? You know, it was always something that I helped people with. Um, When I first started as a nutritionist, I primarily started with weight loss. Mm -hmm. And what I realized was it was taking a longer time for me to lose weight. And I later realized it was due to stress. It was due to the excess cortisol in my body. And I also saw the same thing when I was counseling women one-on-one or in my group coaching programs in terms of, you know, helping them to lose weight. And I always give them a client intake form when they start working with me. And I ask them like on a scale of one to 10, like how high is your stress levels? And I found that the average was about seven or eight. And I was like, ah, okay. I don't think a lot of women are making the link between stress and your health. If you're trying to lose weight, or even if you're just trying to eat healthier overall, if you're really stressed out, it's going to be a lot harder for you to see results. It's going to be a lot harder for you to feel better unless you get to the root of what it is that's actually stressing you out. So that actually, that's why I started talking about stress because I was dealing with so many women in the weight loss industry that were stressed out and they weren't making these links between how stressed out they were and their health. And I said to myself, okay, this is something that I I really feel like I need to talk to women a lot more about. I feel like we talk about being stressed all the time. We talk about stress or I don't know, maybe it's just in my circles. We talk about stress and anxiety all the time and feelings of overwhelm. So how is it that people are not connecting that to their health? How is that not happening? You know, I think it's because Anita, as women, we're used to just wearing so many hats and we just continue to push through. We're wives, we're mothers. A lot of us are caregivers and a lot of women, some of my clients have become caregivers during the pandemic because the pandemic was really hard on elderly people. I know that I became a caregiver for my mom much more so as well, because she had a really tough time during the pandemic. So I think as women, because we wear so many different hats, we just get used to it, right? And we just keep pushing it down and pushing it down. It's like, okay, yeah, I have all these different things to do, but you know what? I have this next thing to do. And I got this other thing to do. And I got this other thing to do. Right. And we just kind of just stay there. So basically chronic stress is stress that is just left unchecked. Okay. So we have acute stress and I just want to make sure people understand the difference between the two. 
So you have acute stress, which is like, let's say you're getting ready for a presentation and you have those nerves right before you give a presentation, right? Or maybe you get into like a fender bender and there's like that, you know, initial, you know, feeling of stress. Mm -hmm. That's acute stress, right? It just comes and it kind of goes. And then you have chronic stress. So chronic stress, on the other hand, is your body's like constant, just wearing down of just bearing stress day after day after day. And when that continues to get left unchecked, when we keep adding more things to the plate, because we think we can do it all, we think we can multitask. That's when you're at risk for burnout. Well, I can honestly say I've burned out at least a couple of times during this pandemic because there's the pandemic, there's all of that stuff you just said, there were health issues at home with my daughters that were scary and stressful. You yeah. know, homeschooling, it's yeah. it's been a lot. So have right. you seen a huge increase in stress, burnout, overwhelm in the last two years? I feel like that's almost a really stupid oh. question. but. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. For all those reasons you just mentioned, Anita, of course, you know, with the homeschooling as well. And there's been research studies that have come out that have talked about how hard the pandemic has been on women exclusively because of all these additional responsibilities that we have. You know, not to mention that, yes, a lot of us were working from home, so maybe we didn't have to commute the half an hour or the hour. But I guarantee you, a lot of women, you know, ended up working maybe three hours more a day because you're working at home. Right. And it's almost like a lot of women and I'm just, you know, speaking from my, what I've heard from my clients here, it's like, when you work at home, you almost need to have this need. And I don't know where this comes from, but there's always this need to make it seem like, yes, I am working. I'm not doing my laundry. I am actually working. I am actually getting stuff done. So we work harder and we work longer. Yeah. People think, oh, you can just, well, I do. I'll throw my laundry in, but that doesn't mean I'm taking time away from my work. I mean, I deserve a pee break, right? So I'll go throw my laundry in while I'm getting up and moving around. Because if I don't, there are days where my husband will come home from his eight and a half hour shift and he'll come home and he'll look at me and he's like, you're in the same position as when I left this morning. I'm like, yeah, I have not moved for six hours. I haven't gotten up to pee. I haven't done anything. That can't be good. No, <laughs> no, no. So let's talk about you've got this rise method. Let's let's talk about how, how are we going to turn this around? What are we going to do to get better about all this? Yeah. And, you know, the reason why I came up with the rise method, Anina, is because as you talked about earlier, like there's a lot of women who are feeling stressed out just even before the pandemic, but much more so, of course, over the past couple of years with the pandemic. And so I developed the rise system because what I wanted people and and women specifically, because I do work with a lot of women, I really wanted them to understand that, look, like nobody is free from stress. It's always going to be there, but you can manage the way that you react to it and rise above it so that it no longer has this sense of crippling, this crippling feeling over you, right? So that's what the rise system is all about. So it consists of four different things. And, you know, even before I get to that, Anita, as far as a wellness professional, I have to talk about the effects of stress on the body because a lot of women don't realize, you know, the detrimental effects of stress over the long term or even in the short term. Okay. So there's definitely things like, you know, cravings for sugar and fat, your cravings for sugar and fat definitely go up when you're feeling stressed out. And that's because of the excess cortisol. That's just, you know, surging through your body. Okay. And also your blood sugar levels tend to rise as well. Also, because during these stressful situations, your, you know, hormones like adrenaline and cortisol cause your blood sugar to actually increase. And this puts you at risk for things like prediabetes, which I'm also seeing on the rise Mm -hmm. as well as diabetes. 
right? Your memory, you know, excess stress can also affect your memory as well. So if you're, you know, feeling foggy or lack of focus, you know, we definitely want to make sure you're checking your stress levels. Okay. Mm. So the R in the rise system stands for ruminating. And they're all important, but this is a really important one because a lot of people tend to do this. I even do this sometimes myself, but ruminating is when you tend to just dwell in a situation over and over and over again. So it could be, you know, you're at work, you know, maybe something happened at work. Maybe you got a little bit stressed out and you said something that you wish you hadn't have said to a coworker. Mm -hmm. And now you spend the next hour, two hours, the rest of the day going over that conversation in your mind, what you could have said differently, what you wish you would have done differently. And when you do that, you actually train the emotional part of your brain to become stronger and to become more powerful. And this means that you're much more likely to spend more time ruminating again in the future. So, you know, I always say, you know, let that energy of stress, because stress is an energy. So let that energy of stress be the thing that drives you towards where it is you want to go. It's almost like the pothole analogy. Don't keep staring at the pothole. You know, you want to stare around the pothole actually to where you want to go. So you want to redirect that stress into a superpower and actually, you know, point the ship of your life into the direction that you want to go, not the direction that you don't want to go. When it comes to being stressed out, I really want to encourage people to see stress as an invitation. It's an invitation to examine all the different areas of your life and to understand where you might need to redesign your life. So look at stress as a favor because it's trying to tell you something. That's a huge mind shift right oh, there, trying absolutely. to see stress as an invitation. I mean, as business women, we hear all the time, don't see it as a problem. It's a challenge. It's an opportunity. It's, a, it's not a failure. It's an opportunity to learn all these things. But seeing stress as an invitation, that one is a little bit harder for me to, to swallow. One of the things I tell myself to help with what you were just saying I will say, literally say out loud to myself, if it's not going to matter in five years, don't spend more than five minutes ruminating on it, mm. right? So you get upset at the, the person who cuts you off in traffic or whatever. You wish you would have said something different. Are they going to remember that in five years? Are you going to remember that in five years? If it isn't going to matter in five years, then it's not worth wasting my energy on. And that's a small enough tip or mind hack, it can actually work for me. So maybe that'll help other people too. Saying stress is an invitation is big. Mm -hmm. Saying if it's not going to matter in five years, I can forget about it seems doable to me. So what would you say to people about that big mind shift? How do you get them to make that mind shift to see it as an invitation? You know, I think we just need to stop and check in with ourselves, Anita. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we're just so busy just crossing all these things off of our to-do list. We don't often stop and just, you know, sit with our thoughts and just try to check in with ourselves and just find out how we're feeling. And it could just be as simple as that. How am I feeling right now? What is it that I need in this moment? Mm -hmm. What evidence do I have in my life to look at other areas of my life where I got through stressful or challenging situations? What are the receipts? I always call them the receipts, right? Pull out those receipts from those past challenges, those past stressful situations that you've been in. How did you have to navigate those through those challenges? Who did you have to be to rise to the occasion to get through those challenges? You know, borrow your strength from those past challenges and see how you can apply them to the present. Mm -hmm. Right. There's also like a really simple exercise you can do in the moment, like when you're finding yourself really stressed out. And I call it catch, release, replace. I don't know if you've heard about this at all. I have not. No. Okay. So you're feeling stressed out. You feel like you just want to just throw something at the wall, right? <laughs> so 
So you want to start just again, stop right where you are. And hopefully you're not driving while you're doing this, but you know, you want to take a few deep breaths. And on that first deep breath in, you want to just catch that thought that you're having, right? That thing that is just really making you feel stressed out or making you feel really overwhelmed. And just say to yourself, that's an interesting thought. Because really, when you have these negative thoughts, Anita, it's just your brain trying to protect itself. It's just mm-hmm. trying to protect you. It's just doing what it was actually designed to do. Mm-hmm. And then when you take another deep breath in, you want to thank your brain for trying to protect you and just try to release that thought. And I like to just visualize like a cloud just floating by in the sky. Like, you know, when you just look up in the sky, sometimes you just see the clouds floating by. You just want to picture that thought that you're having just like a cloud. It's just floating by. Okay. And then now you want to take another deep breath in and you want to just replace that negative thought that you were having with something that's more helpful, something you feel that's more empowering. And it could be even like what I said earlier, you know what, like there was this X time in my life when I was going through this situation and I was able to do this and I was able to get myself out of that situation. How can I apply that to how I'm feeling right now? Mm -hmm. That's great. So what's the I stand for? So the I is for inflammation. And this is also another big one because something that causes a lot of inflammation in the body is what's known as the standard American diet. So what's the, yeah. And you yeah. know, this one, Anita, oh, yeah. the diet yeah. that's a lot of processed foods, right? It includes a lot of white flour, a lot of vegetable oils, a lot of sugar, and very little fruit, vegetables, and whole grains. But the thing is, when you eat a lot of these foods that contain chemicals that are unnatural to you, and I was actually just in the grocery store the other day, and I was thinking about buying something, I think it was like a sauce mix, and I was going to, you know, do a stir fry with it, I picked it up, and it had something on there that said like E971 on the ingredients list. And I was like, what the heck is that? And that's what your body says when you eat those foods. What the heck is that? Okay. So when you eat these foods that your body is just not used to, it tries to protect itself by creating inflammation in your body. Okay. And inflammation is at the root of most, if not all diseases. And, you know, what concerns me as a nutritionist, you know, throughout this pandemic is that, you know, a lot of us are turning to foods to manage stress and they're turning to certain foods that are actually formulated to have you keep coming back for more. And that could be a whole other podcast episode mm-hmm. on its own. Like but sugar. there are foods out there like that. Yeah. And sugar. And also when we look at the areas of the world that have the highest rates of depression, they also have the highest sugar intake as well. So mm-hmm. it's so important that we fight back against inflammation by just, you know, doing the best that you can. I always say it's not about being perfect. Okay. Just do the best that you can. If you're making a smoothie the next time, just toss in some greens. Okay. If you're making a smoothie, put in some turmeric in there, or maybe some fresh ginger. These are all really great foods to help you to fight inflammation in your body. All right. So that's our I. We got S. What's S? So S is for stress busting nutrients. So you're going to love this one, Anita. <laughs> <laughs> So if I is about the things that we want to minimize in our diet, then S is for those stress busting nutrients, because during times of stress, there's actually some key nutrients that get eliminated from your body or get burnt out in your body. So there's a few of them, but I'll touch on just one of them in particular. And those are B vitamins. And when you're stressed out, stress really burns out the B vitamins in your body and B vitamins are really important to our mental health specifically vitamin B6, because vitamin B6 helps us to manufacture the neurotransmitter serotonin that actually helps us to feel good and helps us to feel happy. Some sources of B6 include things like bananas, um, cauliflower, cashews, you know, bell peppers, spinach, there's lots of different foods. Sweet potatoes is probably my favorite source of B6. 
you know, just pop that in the oven, just do a roasted baked potato, get some canned black beans, you know, maybe put that on, add some salsa, whatever spices you want. And that could be like a really quick and easy lunch. I love bananas. Bananas are probably right up there in the top five foods of mine to eat. I love bananas. And for a few years, I was banana intolerant. Um, I've since figured out that it's actually dairy that I can't have. And since I've eliminated dairy, I can eat bananas again. So I'm really happy. But I just mm, love bananas. But the reason I mentioned bananas is that a few years ago, well, more than a few now, I was taking toll painting lessons. And the toll painting teacher would tell us every week, eat a banana before you come because it will help you relax. Oh, there you go. She swore it had something to do with the B6 and the potassium in the bananas that helped you relax. So I don't know why that's always stuck with me. Eat a banana if you need to relax. Yeah. You know, and you could even have it before (laughs) bed too, because what I do sometimes, Anita, is I make like a homemade, they they call it an ice cream. I still like to call it ice cream. Mm -hmm. So I just take some frozen bananas. I might take like a cup of frozen bananas, right? I put that in my food processor. I'll add like maybe like half a cup of some strawberries or blueberries whatever fruit you like, just a little bit of like almond milk. Okay. And you just blend that up in your food processor. You are going to get like a nice, smooth, creamy. It's almost going to be like a soft serve consistency when you do it in your food processor. And it tastes so good. Mm, That does sound good. It It is good. It is good. Trust me. (laughs) All right. So we're going to boost our nutrient intake and the B vitamins. I mean, every time I go to the doctor, she's telling me you should be taking some B vitamins. You should be increasing your B vitamins. Yeah. I don't take a lot of different supplements, Anita, but a B complex is one that I take every single day. It's that important. I have a B complex in my cupboard. I don't remember the last time I actually remembered to take it, which is not a good sign. Okay. After today, I will go find it and I will start taking it again. I promise, Trudy. I promise. Okay. So here's a tip for you, Anita. Walk me through your morning routine. You walk into your kitchen in the morning. What are you doing? Oh my gosh. I think it's different. Every I don't think I have a routine. That's probably part of it. But one of the first things I do is I turn the coffee pot on. Perfect. Warm up. Okay. So I want you to put those B vitamins right beside your coffee pot. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now when you're making your coffee, you take your B complex vitamin. Okay. And that is something that's called habit stacking. It's looking at an already existing habit in your routine, and then just adding on that new habit that you're actually trying to create. That's what's called habit stacking. So it's basically, you know, creating new habits by taking advantage of old or existing habits. It's funny because I recently started taking some prescription medications and I have to set an alarm to remember to take them. Yeah, whatever works. I have to set an alarm. And every night when that alarm goes off before I go to bed to take them, I'm like, oh, yeah, I have to take these drugs. So, anyway, (laughs) you know, you do what you have to, even if it takes technology. All right. I think we're left with E. What is left with E? Yeah. And E is another good one as well. And that is emphasis on gut health. And your gut is considered to be your second brain. Okay. So, it's really important to feed it the right foods because by nourishing your gut, you're also nourishing your brain. So the relationship between your brain and your gut is bi-directional. And that just simply means that your brain sends messages to your gut and your gut sends messages to your brain. And this is done through chemicals called neurotransmitters that we've heard of before. So serotonin, dopamine, right? Mm -hmm. We want to make sure that we're nourishing our gut because as I mentioned earlier, that neurotransmitter serotonin that I talked about is actually produced in the gut. So it's super important that we're eating those right foods um, that really help us to nourish your gut. 
And there's also foods that we also want to minimize as well that may impact our gut health. So some of them, and I talked about this earlier, but I want to hit on this again, because it's so important is processed foods. So processed foods definitely pose a threat to your gut's bacteria. So foods that are high in like, you know, white sugar, anything that has high fructose corn syrup, if you have anything in your cupboard right now with high fructose corn syrup, I highly want to encourage you to get rid of that. And also anything that has emulsifiers in it. So emulsifiers are food additives that make foods more shelf stable, or they make foods taste more creamy. Okay. They're in everything like, let's say ice cream, salad dressing. So creamy salad dressings, coffee creamers, and we love those coffee creamers, right? Baked goods. So we find emulsifiers in all of those different foods, but those actually pose a threat to your gut's bacteria. So another thing that poses a threat to your gut's good bacteria, Anita, are animal foods. Okay. Um, now I still eat animal foods. I eat mostly plant protein, but I just still do eat some animal foods every now and again. And the reason why some of these foods like, you know, chicken, red meat can actually pose a threat to your gut's bacteria is because of what the animals are eating. And a lot of animals, when they're raised these days are fed antibiotics. And we have to remember that you are what the animal eats. So anything the animals eating that is being passed on to you and being passed onto your plate. So, you know, some things to look out for when you're purchasing meat are if you can, I know it's, it's kind of expensive, but if you can maybe organic, look for antibiotic free, look for hormone free. If you're buying beef, maybe something you want to look for is, you know, something that's been grass fed instead. So you just want to eat something where the animal's actually eating a natural diet, essentially, right? Because then you know that you're getting like the cleanest source of protein. Right. That's less of a problem in Canada, right, though? That's right. That's yeah. right. Absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely a bigger problem in the US. And if people want more information about that, just go on Netflix. There's tons of documentaries. <laughs> on there. Yes, I, I'm too scared to watch those documentaries <laughs> on Netflix. I'm afraid they'll change me, Trudy, and I don't want to change. I know you have to be careful what you take in and how much you take in. For sure. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so how did you get to be so passionate about helping women navigate stress and burnout? You know, there was lots of incidences in my life, Anita, where I kind of feel like the universe is kind of pointing me in this direction, like even with the way that I got into the wellness industry to begin with. And, you know, this is another reason why I love talking about stress was because, and this is also another great example of how I was able to look at stress and redesign my life. So I was in this job, it was a really high pressure job. And I had a boss who just never seemed to be satisfied with my work. So at that time I had a team, I was supporting like maybe 30 different people on that team. Everybody else on that team was happy with my work and more than satisfied with my work. But I had a boss that just was never satisfied. Like nothing was ever good enough, you know? And sometimes you know, in true transparency, I would sneak off into the bathroom and I would just cry in the cubicle or the bathroom stall. And I'm sure some women out there, you know, can relate to that as well, who might be in really stressful jobs. And then there was one day when I was in there and I was like, Trudy, you don't have to take this. Your skills go with you. This is happening to you for a reason. It is not happening to you. It is actually happening for you. And right then and there was when I started my entrepreneurial journey. I started listening to podcasts. I started, you know, immersing myself in digital marketing and all of the different things. So that's a perfect example right there. And I was, that's probably the first example that I can remember in my life where I just looked at what was stressing me out. And I looked at stress as an invitation of what I needed to do to redesign my life. So I started saving up money, making sure I had, you know, a good savings account, 
ready so that whenever I was ready to leave, you know, I had like a nest egg there and I can just have that financial freedom to actually pursue my dream. Mm. So that was like the big reason why I got into the wellness industry. And then of course, certainly, you know, losing weight as well. That was another reason why I got into the wellness industry, but you know, just seeing so many women out there who are affected by stress to see the impacts of stress on our mental health, especially through the pandemic. I've just, I've heard so many heartbreaking stories from some of my clients, both clients that have, you know, children as well as clients who are alone and who just have nobody. They're not married. They don't have any kids. Like the pandemic was particularly hard on them. I really think it's important that we share our stories because by sharing our stories, we see ourselves and other people. Right. And we're able to help other people. We're able to heal each other, heal ourselves as well as healing each other. So that was a big reason why I wanted to focus on stress management. That's interesting. I do try to share my struggles with stress and anxiety, mostly on Twitter. Twitter is my favorite social network. I say that all the time. And even just today, I tweeted out that, you know, last night was the first night I went without a sleeping pill because I've been trying to reestablish my sleeping patterns Mm. and it didn't go so well. So, you know, just little things like that. I'm trying to share out there because I know there are other people struggling. So I think it's important to do that too. When you started your business, did the thought of being on social media stress you out? Oh, a hundred percent. And it still does. <laughs> what is it that stresses you out about social media? Yes. You know, not really knowing what to say and not really being sure how to connect with people. But over time, I've realized that the best way to connect with people is to just be myself. And I know yeah. it sounds so trivial and it sounds so simple, but you know, for example, when I share things on social media, like I could share like a beautiful recipe, it could be a nice salad or it could be a nice salmon meal or, you know, whatever it might be. And I might get a few likes on it, maybe a couple of comments from my mom or, you know, my aunt or something, <laughs> you know what I mean? But when I share a picture of myself and I share something that I'm going through, or I share the way that I feel about something the amount of comments that I get, and, and I don't really concern myself with likes and comments. It's more about engagement for me. It's more about connecting with other people for me. And the connection that I feel, you know, when I do post like that, it's just incredible. And I was so hesitant to post pictures of myself on social media for the longest time because I never wanted it to be about the way that I looked. I'm like, this is not why I'm here. I'm not here so people can look at how I look. I'm here because I want to help people with their health. I want people to you know, see that healthy eating doesn't have to be a struggle to see that healthy eating can actually be fun. And I didn't really realize the importance of also showing my face, not just what was on my plate, but also showing my face and people wanted that connection. So yeah, that was one of the hardest things for me it was definitely posting pictures of myself on social media. How did you flip that switch? What was it that made you say, okay, it's time I have to show my face? Yeah, I think it was just after just doing it a couple of times and just seeing the feedback that I was getting from people and just being like, oh, wow, like, you know, you're going through that, too, or this is happening to you, too. Well, yeah, like this happened to me like as well. Like, you know, like, how did you get through this situation? So, you know, just having those conversations with people and even they, you know, they even slip into the DMs as well. We might even continue the conversation in the DMs. That's what I like. I love having that connection with people. Is that why you started your own podcast? Yeah. You know, I started my own podcast because also during the pandemic, I started my podcast in the pandemic, mm -hmm. right? Smack dab in the middle of the pandemic. That was definitely the reason why I created it. Cause I just felt like I just wasn't really 
like connecting with people as well as I, you know, would have liked. And I thought, well, I want to connect with people in a different way because yes, there's videos and I, I do actually like doing videos now, but I think people just love listening to podcasts on the go, right? If they're driving somewhere, if they're walking somewhere, like they can't necessarily watch a YouTube video, but they can pop their earbuds in and listen to something. So I just thought, you know, this is another way to connect with people. This is another, you know, medium in which I can actually help people. So let me just lean into it and do it. I've actually started listening to a lot more podcasts through the pandemic. And I've started actually putting them on as I'm trying to go to sleep at night. Because mm. at least if I'm going to be awake, I might as well learn something. Oh, I like that. I like that. Well, I don't know. I, the people whose podcasts I'm listening to as I'm trying to fall asleep might not like that. But, <laughs> but that's what I'm doing. And it's not it's not yours. I'm not falling asleep. Okay, before, good. So. Good. I think it would be hard to fall asleep to my podcast. I don't know. I, I kind of go off on a tangent quite a bit on my podcast. You get a little passionate. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. It, that just says that it's something you really want to share, right? Yeah, it's, for sure. Can you think of any other times when something about social media wasn't perfect that you had to work through that something that didn't work for you and how you got past that? Oh, yeah, like totally. I would say, you know, just going back to the podcast, and I don't know if it's social media specific, mm -hmm. but, you know, just going back to the podcast, even there was a point in my life last year where I felt like I was approaching burnout. So I actually took a break from the podcast and I took a break from my business completely. And that was a really, really hard decision for me to make because I am a self-professed workaholic. For sure. I'm like the woman I talked about earlier where, you know, you just keep adding things to your plate. Yeah, I can do this. I got this. I got this. And I kept doing that. I kept thinking, I got it. I can do this. I can multitask. And I started to hit a wall. I was sitting at my desk, looking at my computer. I'm looking at the words, but the words aren't making any sense. The words are dancing around the screen. I couldn't focus. I couldn't concentrate. In the morning when I would wake up, I just had no desire to get out of bed. I had no motivation for anything. And I knew that something was wrong. I had a feeling that I was approaching burnout. And I said, I think this is what burnout actually feels like. And I felt myself getting there. And I said, you know what, Trudy, before you completely hit that wall face first, you got to do something right now. And I took a break from the podcast. I didn't want to because I had just started the podcast in 2020. So I was about a year in at that time. But and I was also concerned, Anita, about how it looked to people as well, like, how is it going to look if a wellness professional, someone who teaches people about stress management needs to take a break from her business? Like what? <laughs> so I wrestled with that and that was really hard. But at the end of the day, I knew I had to do what I had to do for myself. And I knew if I continued the way that I was operating, I wasn't going to be any good to anybody. I certainly wasn't any good to myself. So I felt I was doing the responsible thing by actually taking a step back from my business. And I never imagined it could have been the best thing to happen to me because as a result of taking a step back, more opportunities actually came to me, which was so weird. Like before I was pushing and I was trying so hard to get these opportunities and speaking engagements and all these different things, and it just wasn't happening. But the moment I put myself first, the opportunities just started to roll in. That's why I always want to encourage women again to check in with yourself because you could be doing yourself a huge favor just by taking a step back. It really could change your life. It's interesting because I'm kind of in the same position where I'm a social media consultant. I help people manage their social media. I help them design strategies. And then 
I think this summer for the first time ever, I'm actually going to uninstall all the social media apps from my phone and take the summer off. I love it. I love it too, but I don't know if I have the uh, lady balls to do it. (laughs) We'll, We'll see whether or not that happens. But I am taking the summer off because I recognize that I'm sure I have burned out and not been effective in the last two years. And I think I'm in a decent place right now, but want to take that time off before I burn out again. Social media is, it is very stressful for everybody, for a small business owner who's constantly trying to put themselves out there. So I want to show, just like you wanted to show that even you have to take time off, I want to show that it's okay to take time away from your social media. Yeah. You got to be consistent, but if you need to take the summer off, take the summer off. 110%, you know, and maybe you don't put so much pressure on yourself and needed to say, I'm going to delete the app from my phone for the whole summer. Maybe you just try it out for like two weeks or a week and see how you feel. Yeah. Maybe it's just Facebook. Maybe I'll keep Twitter because I like Twitter. I don't know. Because sometimes when we have like the big goals, it just seems like it's impossible. And then when it comes time to actually act on the goal, we freeze up. Right. Mm -hmm. So maybe Mm -hmm. you just kind of like ease your way in. Yeah. And lessen the pressure on yourself. All right. Well, where is the best place for people to connect with you if they'd like more information or if they want to have a conversation with you? Yeah. Well, they can find me on my website. That is Trudy, the letter E stone.com. So Trudy E stone.com. I am also Trudy E stone.com on Instagram as well as Facebook. And the name of your podcast name of the podcast is called the mind your body show. And it is all about how to get your mind right so that your body will follow. And it looks like you've had some really interesting conversations. I see the recent ones are about living with alcohol and decluttering and all kinds of things that we probably are all thinking about and struggling with as women running homes and businesses. So sounds like something we should all check out. Yes, for sure. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing some tips on how we can overcome our overwhelm and our stress. And I'm going to get to work on that. I'm going to find my B vitamin complex (laughs) bottle and I'm going to eat some sweet potatoes and bananas tonight. (laughs) And I'm going to listen to a new podcast. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Anita. If all of this social media strategizing and planning sounds overwhelming to you, remember the first rule of being Flossom. Take imperfect action. You are good enough, so just get started or ask for help. Did you know that I offer VIP no BS planning days? Sometimes you just need someone to get you started. I know I feel that way about things that are not my specialty. I just told a data specialist the other day that I needed him to set things up and then I'll be okay to maintain it. If you're feeling like that with social media, a VIP day might be just the thing to move your social media presence forward. You'll virtually walk away with everything you need to manage your own social media marketing or to hand it over to a virtual assistant, including a written strategy, a tactical plan for a whole year. Now, normally I charge $2,500 for this service and I only set aside three days per month for this. But since you're a loyal podcast subscriber, if you plug in the code BFLOSSOM, you'll receive a 10% discount. So go right now to twerp.ca slash VIP to get all the details. Hmm.